Hello, and welcome to Sports Middle, the show where your favorite video game podcasters are surrounded by sports. It is December 31st, 2008. Danielle found a VHS tape in a Dick's Sporting Goods parking lot and brought it to us in 2020. We put the tape in the Sports Middle VCR and were warped to January 1st, 2008. We have lived this entire year and separated to do field studies on sports from this bizarre time. The Wii was out. Dylan went off to study hockey. We haven't seen him since. <laughs> Barack Obama is president. Yay. With me, our social editor of fanby.com, which doesn't exist yet, Nikki Grayson. Hi, I'm 13. Also with us, Fanbyte.com editor-in-chief, which doesn't exist yet, Danielle Riando. I'm in grad school! And I'm John Warren. I am uh, the editor-at-large for Fanbyte.com, which doesn't exist yet. Um, weird year, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a weird one. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also weird, because uh, I'm not actually in grad school, because I'm my 36-year-old self. But back in 2008, right. uh, we've had to uh, we've had to avoid our real selves yeah. from the past, which is yeah. which has been interesting. That's Nikki, has really that been really difficult for you? No, that's been really easy. I didn't go outside. Oh, when you were a child? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And Danielle, you were in Boston. Yeah, I was in. It was in Boston. I was in grad school. I was writing about games. Actually, I wrote a lot of Wii reviews, like so many, including wow. uh Jillian Michaels uh, Sports Fitness Ultimatum. Uh, that was a, a classic. I'm sorry. It was called Jillian Michaels Sports. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was Jillian Michaels Fitness Ultimatum. Fitness I just Ultimatum? Oh, it sure was. Fitness Ultimatum. <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> oh, my God. Hold on. Let me, let me see. Jillian Michaels. Are you checking the Imagine Games Network Fitness. for this information? It really was. It really actually was Jillian Michaels Fitness Ultimatum. And then I also reviewed, uh, uh, spoiler for the future for 2009, but I also reviewed Jillian Michaels Fitness Ultimatum 2009 the next year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, if if you were given a sports ultimatum, what would you do with it? A fitness (laughs) ultimatum, excuse me. Um... I like would what? probably accept the challenge. Well, what does that uh, look like, though? You have to do fitness or I'll kill you, <laughs> says Julian Michaels. <laughs> Julian Michaels will come to your house and pour scalding hot coffee wow. on you until you do your workout. That's fucked up. It's <laughs> um, a lot, so I know. We did all do field reports for the different sports in this year because we didn't know what to do we didn't know what to do besides just like you know thrashing and being scared that we time traveled and can't get back to our own time and we also lost dylan like that's really scary yeah i don't know what happened with him like i saw him on ice skates right like he he was ready to um you know <laughs> like go do a hockey uh-huh. And then I feel like he slipped into another year on you ice skates. Oh, wow. You, okay. Yeah. So you think he warped to a different year and we need to find him. I mean, it's just a guess. Okay. Really. Well, maybe we'll guess. revisit that at the end of this episode. Now, yeah. something did just explode out my window, it sounded like. <laughs> that, um, and my, my window in 2008, not the one 
theoretically that would be in 2020. Right. I wonder what that was. Uh, what was it, John? I don't know. Oh. But I'm not going to worry about it, I guess. <laughs> Listen, the anyway. thing that they always say about explosions is to not kind of think about or worry about them at all. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, right after we got to the year uh, 2008, I decided to just buy a ticket to the Super Bowl. That's um, smart. That's yeah. huge. Yeah, because there were tickets available in January. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I did go to uh, I did go to Glendale, Arizona Sorry. on February 3rd, 2008, um, which, you know, I don't recommend. Have you been to Glendale, Arizona? I have not. No, there's nothing there. Yeah, it's, it's I like, mean, I I had not before I went to the Super Bowl. Right, in Glendale, right, 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 right. right. Yeah, there's nothing there, huh? No, there's, there's nothing there. Ferris there's a Ferris wheel. There's a Ferris wheel. There's the stadium, which uh, is only cool. I remember this because, I mean, I was, of course, watching it on television live in 2008. Um, but they did, like, a whole fucking thing before the game that was like, hey, have you seen this stadium? Because you definitely haven't watched any Cardinals games this year. Um, <laughs> they were like, have you seen this fucking stadium? We can put the grass outside. Because the grass is, like, on <laughs> wheels, and they can just yeah. wheel the grass outside so they can grow the grass, and they put the grass back inside of the building, which is wild. Also, they can open the roof, but they didn't have the roof open for this game, which is strange. They they almost never, ever have the roof open for, uh, like, if there's an option uh, at a retractable roof stadium, they almost always keep it closed. It's just, just so because, silly. Just because I guess they're worried about, like, well, you know, all day it didn't say it would rain, but what if it does? Like they're very scared right. of climate, I think. Also, they had to eat a, a lot of bananas. I heard that uh, weirdly that like bananas were required because it was so hot. Oh, right, it's Arizona, right? Yes, it it is yeah. very very warm in in Arizona. Yes, it's a warm place. Um, I did go to uh, to the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl was a pretty good one that year. Um, yeah. it, it, of course, was a difficult one for me because the only thing I enjoy more than Tom Brady failing <laughs> is Eli Manning failing. Right, right. And for that, different reasons, this was though. a toughie. Mm, yeah. Are oh. they different reasons? Yeah. For similar reasons, let's say. For me, they're well, different reasons. Okay. I don't like the... watching Tom Brady succeed because he sucks. It sucks out. Um, he has bad politics. He's seemingly okay. a bad person. He kisses his sure. kids on the mouth. Okay. Right. Those are the now, three big reasons. Now, why don't you think Eli Manning's politics suck? Um, they almost definitely do, but okay. I don't know that. <laughs> okay. I don't know that. You know his sure. brother's politics suck, right? Right. But okay. I don't know that Eli's are bad for sure. Also, okay. when Eli fails, his face is funny. Okay, so yeah. Uh, Danielle, are you aware of the Eli Manning failure face? Oh, I'm not. Uh, but I'm picturing it right now. No, no, no. I'm going to send, I'm gonna send a you. Uh, I'm going to send you. Oh, please do. I'm going to send you some stuff. Oh, I um, can't wait. Over chat room. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Hold on. Yeah, right now. It needs yeah. to download. Oh my god! No, this is the guy from Revenge of the Nerds. That's what this is. <laughs> it's the bro from Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, that's a face. 
made of a thousand failures. Oh my god. Really the the one the these are all great, but yeah. really the one that I I have to that's really the face yeah, that I'm talking one. about. Oh my god! The the like fairly bewildered, mm-hmm. um, disappointed in. That's a face that screams, "I'm mad at everyone else," but deep down, I actually know that this was my fault. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And that's a lot. Yeah. And it's a lot to take in. Um, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I got used to seeing this face a lot because for a very long time. Uh, we were just very good against this this little uh, goofy faced man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thought you were just gonna say twerp, which he is kind of a twerp. Yeah. Which but, fits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so this Super Bowl was tough for me because it involved two people I enjoy seeing fail very much, and I knew that one of them would not fail, and that was a that was difficult for me. Yeah. To behold yeah. with my with my eyes. Um but yeah, it was uh it it was a good Super Bowl. Oh it was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Nikki has also posted an image of the NFC championship game against the San Francisco 49ers where he <laughs> He's in the middle of getting tackled. And, He's uh, in the middle of getting tackled from behind and it just looks like a Renaissance painting to me. <laughs> There's it so looks, much to to go on here. It, it looks like Saint Sebastian being hit by the arrows. He's just kind of like he's like, no. Et tu brute. Um <laughs> uh, but this was a good one. Super Bowls are not always great, but yeah. this was a, a pretty good one. But it was low scoring. So yes. you know, going into the fourth quarter, the score was seven to three, New England over the Giants. Imagine which was, if the Super Bowl ended that way, you know? Like with like two of like the highest powered offenses kind of in the league, like going <laughs> right. into a game. Like imagine if like it just became like a defensive like between Struggle. like the Patriots and like still weirdly enough Tom Brady um, right. and like I don't know like this up and coming like Los Angeles Rams team that like kind of broke all these records <laughs> coming into it like imagine like just I don't know just kind of like play with that idea and like see if it, anything comes with, of it in like 2019 something like that <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that's a really good point. It's, this was something. So I'm still I, full disclosure. I'm still a bit of a football baby. Yeah. Like I, I understand the, the basics of the game. I understand the structure of the game, but I don't grasp it uh, tactically yet. Not really. Yeah. Uh. So many, and, and many again, coaches. Yeah, I know don't the either. basic positions. I know. I know the basics. But like, how this is this was befuddling to me watching the Super Bowl live as yeah. I, as I absolutely mm-hmm. did i remember yes. going to a super bowl party during this time Tough. right uh, and like just not completely understanding why it's such a low scoring game because i knew okay i knew they were both good teams i knew they both had excellent defensive you know teams but i guess i didn't quite understand how this happens so if somebody who knows more about football could could give me like a little bit of a primer on that, yeah I, I I think that's I think, my request. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think I think it's actually like not not that complicated. I think the Giants okay. had a very good defense. Um, 
even though they only had one pro bowler on the team that year, uh, O.C. Umanura, but they had like a defensive line who is, you know, the, the, the group responsible for getting after the quarterback, basically. Yes. Um, they had a very good one, and uh, it had a Hall of Famer on it. It had a probably future Hall of Famer on it. Um, the host of Good Morning America. Yes, the host <laughs> of Good Morning America, Michael Strahan, was the Hall of Fame defensive end on that team. Um, he, you know, he he broke basically every Giants record and eventually the all-time sack record. Um, or uh, no, sorry, all-time single-season sack record, I should say. Oh wow! Uh, although that happened a few seasons before this. Um, so really good football players on that defensive front. Uh, the the fact that it was low scoring. I think had to do with the fact that like, okay, the the New England Patriots defense was basically an overperforming group. Like they yeah, didn't have sure. a ton of like folks on it that were really good, but like Bill Belichick is a defensive minded coach from the vein of uh legendary coach Bill Parcells. And so he he can just basically coach a a group of more or less know nothing uh like defensive players into a, a good defense and he's done it consistently for a very long time it's really rare that he coaches a bad defense um gotcha. and on the flip side of that like Eli Manning uh at this point in his career was not like Eli Manning's a weird one <laughs> okay yeah. and and and, <laughs> yeah. I'll, and I'll say this because like and, and this kind of gives some context into why the Super Bowl was kind of strange too. Is that the year before Peyton Manning, uh, Eli Manning's brother, was the Super Bowl MVP, and yeah. you know everyone at this point had basically already crowned Peyton Manning as being like a top ten, top five quarterback of all time. You know, like they had already basically decided that Peyton Manning is, you know, the one B to Tom Brady's one A essentially. Okay. And but Eli Manning's not. Peyton Manning like no. he's just not the same player um but he he basically is worse at everything that Peyton Manning is good at essentially okay um and his stat line that season is like it was what was it, it was like three yeah it was about 3,000 yards which is like fine but not great uh 23 touchdowns and 20 interceptions so like he basically pulls, you know, th that's not a good ratio. You want basically a like three to one, four to one touchdown to interception ratio to have like a great gotcha. season. And so he had basically a one to one, like I'm not great, you know, kind of, kind of player. Um, And like, I, I think that's what was interesting about this game is that like, Okay, so the the Patriots defense was like okay but not great and the Giants offense was also okay but not great and they had lost some players. They had lost a player named Tiki Barber uh to retirement who was a running back and who was really good and helped Eli Manning. Basically helped cover up some of Eli Manning's problems uh as a as a quarterback. Um and and yeah, like Eli Manning had some good weapons. He had a, a guy named Amani Toomer, who was a uh, really underrated receiver that was that basically on that team forever. Uh, and also Plaxico Burris, who we can talk about uh, oh, yeah. a little bit uh, <laughs> later. Um, and so he had some good weapons, but like I think the reason this was a low-scoring game is twofold. One, because basically the head-to-head uh, the -head matchups on both sides of the ball were pretty even. 
Uh, but also, this is just what happens in Super Bowls sometimes. It's like, okay. you know, like when the when the Cowboys went to the Super Bowl in 92 to, to play the Bills, like the Bills were one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. Uh, but like, you know, and Dallas wasn't like completely pouring it on to folks. But the final score of that game was 52 to 13, I think. Dallas beat the Bills, just like beat the brakes off of them. And like sometimes the Super Bowl is just weird. It doesn't behave the way folks expect it to. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Well. I'm learning I think again, a, a project I'm gonna have here in in uh in uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine is uh, learning more about both football and basketball. Yeah. On a, like mechanical level, if that makes sense. That's a very right. gamer term, I know. But of yeah. course. Um, a really interesting thing about Eli Man- Manning's career also is that he was actually drafted to the uh, San Diego Chargers, um, huh. but refused to go there on draft Which day. Which is amazing. He basically, Just tremendous. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he basically told the Chargers staff that he just would not play for them after he was drafted. What um, the fuck? And so they basically, uh, he essentially forced a trade uh, that sent Phillip Rivers uh, another draftee from that year to the Chargers. Uh, Philip Rivers would would basically immediately become a a great quarterback. Um, and also Ben Roethlisberger was drafted that same year, who uh, uh, won a Super Bowl already and actually went to the playoffs his first year. Uh, actually went to the Super Bowl his first year of um, of eligibility, I believe, wow. and that was. You know, there was a long shadow cast over like the other draft picks that he basically like wind out of <laughs> like he, he like <laughs> wind himself out of San Diego and basically all the other quarterbacks taken uh, after him in the first round were better, yeah. you know, essentially at this point. Wow. So yeah. it's, just an, it's just an interesting guy. Like that goes with the face. Like it goes that story with the face. goes with yes. that face real yeah. well. Yeah. 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 And based on the Manning name, he basically had the cachet to, like, throw his weight around. Um, but, you know, like, basically folks figured it out pretty quick. He just wasn't as good. But this game was really interesting, so we can we can go into that. But, like, uh, yeah, that was, like, the story of, of this season is uh, uh, my Dallas Cowboys were the number one seed in the NFC, 13-3. and three, And they had a crazy roster. I think we had, like, 12 pro bowlers that year. And in our first playoff game, we played the Giants because uh, we had the first round bye, and the Giants came in and and beat us and uh, looked pretty good doing it. And it was kind of like, what? Where did this team come from? Because we'd beaten them very, very badly twice earlier <laughs> in the season. Um, and so that was, you know, a very personal thing for me. I was like, oh Jesus Christ! Like I don't want to see this team succeed but it was at least interesting i was like man how did this team get so good late in the season and they kind of carried that momentum into the super bowl and the patriots i mean this is this is the main story going into the 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 entire game is that the patriots have gone 16 and 0 which is yeah which is unprecedented i mean you know the the last perfect team were the 72 dolphins that went 14 and 0 um because they didn't have 16 games on the schedule yet uh, is that a Dan Marino era Dolphins? No. No, that's way before. Sorry, yeah. you said 72, not 8. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. That was, uh, a, that was no, a 
No, it's not. Bad it football moment. No, no, no. It, was, it wasn't. It's fine. I mean, like, I think Dan Marino gets associated with a lot of the greatness of the Dolphins, but he yeah. actually uh, never won a Super Bowl. So it was kind of, uh, you know, weird, um, weird team. But, like, yeah. So everyone had basically had this debate about, like, who, who was the better team? Uh, could the Patriots go completely undefeated? Could they go 19-0 uh, and 0, um, and win the Super Bowl? And that was really the big, big story going into the Super Bowl. Um, do you remember that, question? like, Nikki? The Just, oh, like, sorry. the un undefeated kind of Yeah, talk? that was basically – because I wasn't really watching the NFL at this right. point in time. I was 13. Um, so, like, <laughs> yeah, all I remember was, like, the Patriots were undefeated and there was no reason for them to lose this game is basically, like, None. the narrative coming into this was that, like, the collective experience – the 735 years of football experience between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick was going to be enough to beat the 738-year-old Tom Coughlin and the 19-year-old um, Eli Manning. <laughs> yeah, wow. the Gi the Giants coach is uh, was Tom Coughlin in 2008, and he was... Um, He's been 80 for 20 years. He's been very old for a very long time. He is one of those. He's one of those people that um, I think this is a very white person phenomenon, uh, if I may say so. A person that basically looks uh, like they are 80 by the time they're about 45. And then he's just, they just look 80 until they're dead. Yeah. Um, and that's basically what Tom Coughlin looks like. I'm going to send you. Um, this is a JPEG of Tom Coughlin in... Wait, in 2008. So, this year. So, th yeah. so this year. Yeah, this, sorry. this year, yes. <laughs> Stupid. This year, and then, so this is this year. I'm going to put, just going to, sorry, just going to paste this. Show me that beautiful, show ICQ me that beautiful Tom Oh, boy, yep, yep. And is. then this is, now, I've downloaded a program. Have you heard of this? It's called Photoshop. Yeah. And I've, I've yeah, it's taken, I've taken yeah. a class yeah. Um, and the class kind of taught me how to like age people up using technology. Oh, cool. Mm. So, so you did something that was like 12 I, years. Yeah. From now? Like 12, like 12 ish years from now. Yeah. Um, and this is, I think what he would look like in 2020. Yeah. That's exactly the same. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, okay. Well, I'll go back okay. To class, so, I guess. so did the, is the photoshopping you did here just with the Jacksonville Jaguars thing? Yeah. And not the, uh, not the right. face, I not guess. Not the face. Okay. Right. I kind of replaced gotcha. the, I just took a guess at what team he would be coaching. Ah. And then like <laughs> all that stuff, you know? Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I Tom Coughlin. I I don't know. He just perpetually looks like he drank out of the wrong grail. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, sometimes that happens. Sometimes it happens. It's listen. It's no one's fault. Um. Wear sunscreen. Uh, but yeah, that was that was the 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 big storyline going into this game is just kind of why wouldn't why wouldn't this team go nineteen and zero? The Giants were the fifth seed in the NFC. So they were essentially the second worst team that got into the playoffs on the on the NFC side. Um, yeah, it was just like a lot of momentum going into the that last game. But also, I have to imagine a lot of pressure, right? Like, I think, um, you know, like, I think there was a lot of pressure to go there. And I think like a lot of Dolphins players, I remember this really, really, really uh, vividly. 
um, because I just watched it on TV in the year 2008. Right. Um, exactly. But I remember this really well is that like the 72 Dolphins, like Don Shula, like all the players uh, that uh, that played for that that team at the time were doing this interview circuit, basically just saying like. It actually doesn't matter what the what the Patriots do, even if they like win this game. Like we were we were the better team. Like they, they just like kept like beating the drum about like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. And I just thought that was really interesting. Like a lot of pundits were basically like, No, this Patriots team is better than the seventy two Dolphins. Like they were just looking at how it was made up. It had Randy Moss on it, who had basically carved out a Hall of Fame career in Minnesota before he even came to the Patriots. But once he got to the Patriots, he basically had this kind of career resurgence and like broke some records and stuff like that. Um, like he statistically had his, had the worst year of his career when he went to Oakland uh, right before. And then he went to uh, New England and uh, basically we totally like re reinvigorated his career and like broke records and stuff. So like, um, there was no reason this team was going to lose. And and the game was kind of set up in this almost like a coronation for the Patriots to basically take this claim as being the best football team of all time. But of course what that did is basically fuel the fire for a fan base, either like either a Giants fan base or basically an NFL naysayer fan base that just like <laughs> wanted to see this team fail and basically beef it right at the finish line. Right. Like that was a really big part of this is like I think Patriots fans I think like a certain breed of like sports purist really wanted them to get that perfect record and just see this happen and I think in terms of like punditry like that would have been a a really nice interesting footnote but like there's something so much juicier about this team running roughshod over the entire league and then fucking beefing it yeah. at the end because fuck the and Patriots yeah, fuck the Patriots. Like, first of all, fuck the Patriots. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Daniel. Sorry. No. No, I mean, no, I'm not even going right. to apologize. I, I'm a New England woman. I, I, you know, born and bred and also still live there because uh, I'm, I'm going to grad school there right. at this point. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point, yeah, uh, sorry, at, at this current point mm. in my life, uh, whatever. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I sort of rooted for the Patriots by default, but I didn't, yeah. again, like, you need to be clear about this. It wasn't like a undying love for this team or anything. It's just right. religion. Right. You I just grew. love the and politics like, okay. and like kind of the whole vibe. Uh, exactly. Of the team. Definitely like think that Touchdown Tommy is, is a god amongst men and uh, his poor ankle and his poor little head when he gets uh, sacked a hundred times yeah. in this game. God, yeah, there were so, so many. So I guess Tom, I guess <laughs> Mr. Brady hurt his ankle like the week before or two weeks before. Yeah. Um, and like, there are so many shots, at least in the first quarter of like a <laughs> camera a million miles away, zoomed all the way in on Tom Brady's regular ass looking ankles. And they're like, listen, Tom's ankles are not what they used to be. He's been... Kind of moving on injured bones for the last six weeks, and we don't know if he's gonna be able. The deep ball might suffer because uh, he's not gonna be able so to do it. And I was like, "What the fuck?" Like he, it just looks like he has ankles. Like this is nothing. Why are you I, showing I me his ankles? There's such a fascination with Boston sports team ankles. I think after Kurt Schilling's bloody sock game, mm. where like yeah. 
Yeah. You know, like the baseball, the baseball cameras were doing the same thing, but you could actually see something. You could see basically he had injured, he had visibly injured his ankle. And I guess like everyone's like, well, now that they did this, I guess we could just zoom in on people's ankles and go, hmm, wonder mm. how they're doing. You know, the like ankle you- perverts loved it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there are definitely some ankle perverts out there hoping to get a glimpse of Tom's uh, beautiful foot bones. Um. Yeah, this was a seven to seven to three game going into the fourth quarter, and uh, not a. I mean, I don't know unless unless either of you disagree. Not a lot of notable stuff happened before the fourth quarter. I would say no. I mean, the 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 New England kicker Stephen Gotskowski, um, yeah. was uncharacter uncharacteristically terrible on this yes. on this Sunday. Um, this was this was one of the first game like instances of like Tom Brady actually having a like a weird because I think they had always had like a good rapport because Goskowski rep- replaced yeah, Adam Vinatieri like a legendary a one hundred and fifty year old man who on his <laughs> last kick in the NFL got bored and then took a direct snap and punted the ball through the fucking uprights which hadn't been done <laughs> in like thirty years. Yep. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Tom Brady kind of did get mad at Steven Goskowski in this game and beyond. Yeah. Um, Oops. Yeah, he was bad. What were, you, what were you saying about that, though, Nikki? Sorry. No, that was it. He just had an uncharacteristically terrible game. He had a bad um, game. And, like, like he kicked a kickoff after the Patriots made their first field goal, kicked the kickoff into the fucking, like, out of bounds, which is, like, just <laughs> child's play. Um, Which is a penalty, by the yeah. way, uh, for for Danielle and other folks. Like he can't okay. on a kickoff kick the ball uh, out of the side of the field of play. Yeah, you just and then ah, if you do okay. that, the penalty is that the opposing team, the receiving team, gets to move the ball up to their forty yard forty yard line. Um, Which is very good field as, position. Yeah, it's really good field position. Yes. It's twice as very far close. as if you yeah. kick it outside of the field of play laterally. Um, yeah. And that was just a beef up. That yeah, just, he just he beefed just it. He up. just beefed it. Gotcha. Also, yeah. watching this old game, um, well, I guess I feel <laughs> like, sorry, watching this brand new current game makes me kind of think about how weird it would be if in like 2018 or 2019 or 2020, the NFL were to kind of move the uh, kickoff location uh-huh. um, and how weird it would look kind of then, like in the future, how weird it would look. Uh, yeah. Compared to now in 2008, when everyone's really far I mean, away from each other. <laughs> listen, I know we're time travelers, but we did experience <laughs> the real future, so I guess we could just say it's weird uh, to watch old kickoffs after the new yeah, kickoffs were instituted. So, Danielle, uh, did you know that? Like, all right, one of one of the most dangerous parts of the game of football is the kickoffs because yeah. ba- basically there are two sides. And they run as fast as they can at each other. I'm not telling. Yes. I'm not telling you that. I'm just, just making a point. But like, no, no, it's good. Um, in I don't remember what year it was. Do you think it was like it was not that long after this? I don't think. No, I think it was like 2017. Oh wow, it was that. It recent? was recent. Someone had. I, okay. You know why? Someone had to kill themselves before they changed the rule. Is definitely right. what happened. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. I um but but they basically move the place where the kicker kicks the ball up, which basically made touchbacks, which is basically when you kick it 
out the back of the end zone, and then the opposing team, team starts. It used to be at their own 20, and now it's the 25. 2018. Um, 2018. Jeez, that's way more recent than I yeah. I thought. Um, Yeah, they basically did that as a safety measure, but it completely... It, <laughs> It honestly negated this aspect of the game to me. Like, there are still plays that happen during kickoffs because the strategy is kind of different. But it's such a weird thing now. It's just such a... Um, I, I just don't expect anything from kickoffs now. Yeah. Which is strange. Because they used to be very consequential, um, you know, in terms of establishing field position, but now they're almost just kind of automatic. Now in the year 2020, they're almost, uh, you know, inconsequential. At the uh, same back- time as this, re- as that rule change, they also changed the distance away from the uh, line of scrimmage that you can kick extra points in after you score right. a touchdown. So, like, they did the okay. thing to, like, make kicking in consequential and then made it hyper-consequential right. um, at around the same time. Yeah. Wild. Very wild. Um, so, the uh, the Patriots actually uh, were... They actually got behind uh, in the very beginning of the fourth quarter uh, with a, uh, a touchdown catch... From David Tyree. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, David Tyree is a uh, NFL receiver. He had a oh, about a six-year career. Um, this was uh, his second to last year with the Giants, I believe. Um, yes. And so he basically, he, he basically made the team every year as a special teams player, meaning... Okay. You are on kickoffs. You are in punt return duty. You are like a utility player that is there to basically assist in special teams uh, units, not to actually be a wide receiver. You almost never see the field as a wide receiver except in what is called like garbage time. If you're like ahead by a lot and it's at the very end of the game and you don't want to risk your good players actually getting injured. After this game, you would have thought David Tyree was like, one of the biggest players in the NFL because he caught this touchdown pass in, in, uh, in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, which is, you know, a fucking unbelievable thing to, to, to do, to basically be a, uh, to be a utility player to catch a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. When you've got Plaxico Burris and these other players that are, uh, much, much, much higher profile, much better wide receivers, but he did. He he caught this. He caught this touchdown pass, um, and then ultimately, what happened is uh, the the Patriots went downfield late in the game with two minutes, a little a little over two and a half minutes left in the game, on an eighty yard drive. Uh, Randy Moss caught a touchdown pass to go up, and I think most people, myself included, uh, completely assumed that that was the end of the game. Yeah. I, I mm. you know. Yeah. I really don't think it was. Uh, unfair to say that like okay yeah that that's that's basically the end of the game uh brady iced it and now all the defense has to do is basically keep uh eli manning from performing some sort of uh miracle yeah (laughs) and then Um, he does fucking sorcery 
and then he did sorcery yeah uh on the ensuing drive um what happened is maybe one of the most incredible moments in super bowl history it's certainly one of the most uh replayed um but the national uh, football league calls this the number one in 2015 they called this the number one play in Super Bowl history. Wow. It it is it is remarkable. And to describe what happens, uh it, it's third and five uh from the New York forty four yard line. And so uh the Patriots pass rush actually got to him very, very, very quickly after the snap. And so uh New England's basically basically trying to uh, sack Eli Manning and uh, essentially in this game because if they turn it into a a fourth and long or even just keep it at fourth and five like it is so unlikely that they would convert and so uh Adelius Thomas a player for the Patriots uh wrapped Eli Manning up but Eli Manning uh avoided him and then actually got grabbed by both Richard Seymour and Jarvis Green who were both uh uh, really large Patriots players. <laughs> yes. And uh and and just got out of it. And we can talk about the getting out of it because I have some thoughts about actually this play after seeing it after so many years. Um but he chucks the ball up and throws a uh I think it was a 32 yard pass to David Tyree who catches it with his fucking helmet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what I mean by that is he basically just caught it one-handed, but by trapping the ball between his helmet and his hand, and he fell to the ground, and that is... And then kept possession of it after being, kept possession. like, four feet in the air. Yes. Like, it just to fall down with the ball and not lose possession of it is just ridiculous. It was... It, it, it is an incredible play. Um, I, I can't deny that at all. Uh, catch Super Bowl 42. Oh, do you want to see it? I have the link. It's, it's, I, I, it's, again, with, with not much context, but just knowing what I know, it's still incredibly remarkable. It still looks like a miracle, uh, whether or not you know fuck all about football. <laughs> I think the really interesting thing is that there's this part when he's being kind of uh, grabbed by two players um, and he kind of gets stood up and, and shuffles backwards, there's a ref that calls that dead. Yes. A hundred percent. There is a ref that would call that play dead. They did not in this game to be very clear. Like no one, oh, okay, there's okay. no, there's no controversy there, but, but like there are quarterbacks that if they get, and Tom Brady's one of them, frankly, that if he gets grabbed and basically stopped with his momentum not going forward anymore, they blow the play dead to protect the health of the quarterback. Which is and, ridiculous because, like, if you think about where the NFL is now and right. how many mobile quarterbacks there are, like, right. that just doesn't that doesn't happen. Like, it just right. doesn't happen because you don't know. Statistically speaking, like, 50% of plays that look like this end up being 15-yard ground gains because right. the quarterback, like, scrambles out of the pocket and is able to and pick up runs. the yards. Right. This play should not have worked, uh, but it did, and David Tyree was a, a, a hero uh, yeah. in New York. Um, 
later in the drive, Eli Manning would uh, would throw another very good pass, uh, honestly, to uh, Plaxico Burris uh, to go up uh, with 35 seconds left in the game, and they would hold on to win. Um, it's, it's an incredible game. I want to read to you what David Tyree's stat line for his career is. Please. <laughs> 54 catches. 650 yards and four receiving touchdowns. That is in a six-year career. Incredible. And, you know, I would argue maybe two of those catches are are things that people remember. Um, No shade about David Tyree. This is just – this is how the Super Bowl happens sometimes. I mean, like, um, when the Cowboys won the third Super Bowl in the 90s, in uh, January 96, they – the, the 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 MVP of that game was a guy named Larry Brown, who was not that good of a player, but he intercepted a pass, and that was that was basically these unsung heroes of the game basically come on these stages and sometimes have these surprising moments. And David Tyree is just one of those uh, really uh, unbelievable figures in sports that um, you know made his only name doing something that is etched in kind of the annals of NFL lore, like forever. I mean, that's just a really strange distinction. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how the Super Bowl wrapped up. Wild, really wild. And then, it's yeah. Incredible. And then yeah. 18, 18 and one is the thing that people say about this yeah. uh, New England Patriots, Patriots team. Is that all you got to say is 18 and one. Now, what, what was the final score of that Patriots Falcons game that the Super Bowl? Because they basically came back and, and, and like undid that with basically uh, uh, the big, biggest comeback in Super Bowl history, yeah. like 10 years later or whatever. So fucked up um, 10 years. It's fucked up. Yeah, I know. Yeah. This just, this did not feel like 12 years ago. To no. Me. Yeah. Um, sorry. I, anyway. I did get distracted and I watched, um, because I was just kind of remembering when, Giants players made good catches. Um, I was watching the Odell Beckham Jr. catch, the you know the catch that everyone made. Everyone know who Odell Beckham Jr. is. Um, oh, about with the against the Cowboys against the Cowboys. Yeah. Oh, that the the the, the best uh, catch genu- in the history. Of the genuinely NFL. the best catch in NFL history. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh wow. This catch is ridiculous, and I knew it was ridiculous because I was I blinked when I, I watched. Oh this yeah, game watch live. that, Danielle. Oh, you should. You need to watch this, Danielle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you I should watch that video. When I yeah, watched this live, because I was watching this game live, um, I blinked, but I did hear Chris Collinsworth under his fucking breath, incredulous, say, "Did he catch that?" Yeah, and that's how I knew <laughs> that something special had happened. Yeah, he 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 like Chris Collinsworth like, basically catches character. himself being a human being, <laughs> going like, "Oh my god!" You know, it it's a really incredible moment. It's oh incredible. my god. Um. Like just the and then the, the there's a freeze frame at what is it at twenty at thirty one seconds that is like inhuman like it's just an inappropriate like that's not how human body's yeah. supposed to go and you're not supposed to be allowed to catch football like that no yeah, and Brandon Carr wild. the the uh, the cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys defending him uh, I mean uh, compl- like on purpose pass interference does a a whole ass pass interference on him yeah and he still still got the fucking ball (laughs) um no one remembers this the giants lost that game but cowboys fans remember that 
It's just <laughs> remarkable. It's just well, it's, so I mean, the best catch of all time. I yeah, mean, it's easily, just, easily, it's, easily, easily. If they had if they had won that game, or if it had been like a playoff game, it would be uh, a no brainer for yeah. one of the best plays in NFL history. But yeah, it's it's still one of the best catches. Um, wow, I can't believe you found this website called YouTube. What is this? Yeah, so it's yeah, gonna it's be it's gonna blow up. It's gonna be really it's good blow for up. a minute. Um, but I cannot stress this enough. It will go so bad so fast. So yeah. fast, so fast. Don't kind of get attached <laughs> to anybody that you see on there, uh, okay, kind of at all. And and here's here's kind of a, a little a little hint from uh, you to me. Buy some stock in yeah. Google. Google. Mm, okay. okay. Google. Yeah. Uh, that's where I just search for like, I don't know, recipes and stuff. Right. 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 But, but you think gonna, it's gonna be big? They're gonna they're gonna hit it big. Okay. They're gonna. You know how yeah. Google's like the search engine for text. Right. YouTube's gonna turn into the search engine for video. Mark my words. Whoa. Oh wow, okay. All right, I'm gonna do that. Thank you. Is that insider trading? <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, someone else talk about sports. I I have monopolized. Well, I had, our time. I had a couple of questions. I had a couple of yeah, questions. Yeah, what well, yeah, uh, please. Okay. First of all, is deflate gate happening yet? No. No, that happens a few years. Oh, sorry. Later. I know Deflate Gate. It like the the gate part happens later. But was Tom Brady already deflating his ball at this point? No, this is the time of Spygate, though. Yeah, <laughs> different gate. Different yeah. gate. Oh no! This is Spygate. This is the year after Spygate, which yeah. was where the Patriots were videotaping um, the Jets. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like they had a secret pervert. Yeah, like, like legitimately. Yeah. yeah, during the game they had a secret pervert. Um, yep. <laughs> and then yeah. the the Patriots have been um, mm, on that cheating grind for about uh, twenty years now. Yeah, yeah ever since wow. I mean, literally since Bill Belichick kind of got into the league. Yep. It's fucked up because he cheats and then is already good. So it's one of those situations where it's like you can't unlink them because you can't really yeah. tell how good he is. Uh, considering the cheating, somebody's mad in the background about these these accusations. Oh, sorry. There's a the no. lunch truck for the construction people is here. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. God, that sounds so good. Whatever yeah. lunch truck that is, I bet oh, it's yeah, great. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is also at around the same time uh, as Spygate. It was revealed that they were that the Patriots filmed the Rams walkthrough practice for the Super oh, yeah. Bowl in 2002. Um, wow. So, anyway. Yeah, they've just been doing a lot of things that are uh, against the rules that I guess Bill Belichick just thinks, like, aren't that big of a deal um, and more or less keeps getting away with them. Yeah. I mean, more sure. or less. Like, I, they haven't really been slapped with, like, anything major because of these transgressions, but, yeah. Um, it's also, like, before a, Deflategate. Yeah, it's before Deflategate. It's also, like, they're, they're, it's cheating 100%, and I think that cheating in sports is fine. That's my personal take. I think that it's fine, <laughs> really? and then, like, it's fucking funny. Like, if you are, if you're gonna <laughs> cheat in at the highest possible level, that's good shit to me. But... Technically, none of the stuff that Bill Belichick has done is cheating on its face. It's always like a willful ignorance of the interpretation of the rule. But like right. he he just like 
it's a spirit of the rule violation, you know? Gotcha, like, gotcha, uh, gotcha. So that's like the kind of stuff that is happening. But fuck Bill okay. Belichick. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, <laughs> my second observation here, I, I just need to make an observation. Yeah, please. Again, uh, I know a bit about football, I don't know everything, but to me, the absolute scariest thing about football, like truly, other than like the genuine, like just overall CTE concerns, but the scariest fucking thing is those pileups. Mm. Like mm. I, I do jujitsu with some bigger dudes. Uh, I, I've, I've rolled with people who have more than a hundred pounds on me, but like, let's say like two thirty is about the biggest person I've rolled with, and it is excruciating when a person who has you know more than two hundred pounds is like crushing you and trying to crush you. It looks like six seven dudes some of which are probably higher than 350 all on top of each other and i i legitimately don't know how you don't break all of your ribs if you're at the bottom of that pile like all of your ribs just crushed there's a story in sb nation that was published last year 2019 um that is literally just about these piles and about how yeah. like unbelievably violent it gets in those piles. I'll read a. I'll read the poll quote. Um, inside, uh, inside the pile, you kept your eyes closed like a feeding shark to guard against knifing hands that were trying to maim and blind, yank and punch scrotums and dislocate fingers. That, yes, honestly, it's real bad in there. That, it looks scary. It looks truly scary. The other stuff doesn't look. As scary, like yes, there is there is a lot of violence and a lot of poundage uh, when when these players run into each other and and have violent tackles. But none of those things seems as scary to me as like thousands of pounds on you. Like holy shit! Yeah, it it's really a deeply um, it it's like a deeply unsettling part of the game that I. I, for whatever reason, and we're going to actually circle it back to video games for a second. Um, sure. Like, every sports video game basically chooses to eject parts of its reality uh, it, because it's not convenient or pleasant to basically include it, I think. Okay. Yep. And, like... You know, in, in, in NFL games, like, there's really no talk of CTE. Obviously, there's no talk of, like, domestic violence charges brought against players. Like, yeah. none of that players stuff. Players basically and, never get concussions in Madden. Right. Like, it's, right. like, shit like that. Yeah. yeah. They, they'll, yeah. They, they will pull their groin and be out for, like, eight weeks. Right. Uh, 20, 20 times a season. But, like, uh, concussion's fairly rare. Um, even though, like, uh, someone probably gets concussed almost every single game. Um, and the other thing that like really isn't in there is like these kind of moments of violence. Like there are, there are fumbles in these games, but basically how they actually play out in NFL, like in Madden is not like in no way how, how fumbles actually work. Um, fumbles work where someone notices the ball is out. And then like, like you said, there's just a total like fucking scrum that has to be pulled apart person by person by a referee and that's just like not how it works in those games like yeah. it could be it honestly could be it would not be that hard i don't think to basically like change the way that this is done but i don't think it's done that way because one it may not be that fun to play maybe that's it but like 
also it's just this kind of moment in the real game that's like kind of unpleasant to think about yeah um and i think that's like one of those weird casualties from real sport to digital sport is yeah they they don't really want to call attention to the like the really shitty parts of the game and this is probably one of them um i don't really know how you fix it honestly like you can't get God. rid of fumbles get the uh, yeah. get rid of the ball two balls two, balls. Oh, two balls. balls two balls two balls or could you right, could you like balls. legitimately make it illegal for more than two people to be on the ground at once like I, <laughs> first first dude on the ground can can go for it but like once there's more than one there there's like an actual penalty it's, like your dude went on the ground so there's there's like kind of a you know that they've they've introduced a lot of rules recently to recently in the year 2020 to uh uh to protect the quarterback essentially and so as a defensive player you can't even really touch the quarterback's helmet and when i say touch i mean like you can graze with your hand and it will often be called a, a penalty okay and a lot of players are mad about this, not because they, um, you know, they they don't give a shit about quarterbacks or whatever, but just because they're like, this is this is the highest level of this sport, and we are trained from a young age to basically play the game a certain way, and it is this instinctual kind of level of play that it is so hard to unlearn. Um, you know, hitting the quarterback. Uh, jumping on a pile to get a fumble like you could make that illegal but i think like the enforcement of that would be so unpopular um that it, it's it would just add another log to the fire so to speak of like why folks are frustrated with nfl football right now i don't know yeah but you but could things you are could gonna do need that. to change i mean like uh, you know I've, I've read several pieces that were like yeah i in 10 years i don't know how when, once more CTE stuff comes out, I don't know how football as it exists will continue because of uh, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits. There's going to be a lot yeah. of, you know, more stuff kind of coming out, basically, uh, about uh, the level of brain damage that some of these these folks are going to have, basically. So, yeah, the NFL shouldn't exist. <laughs> I mean, I also say this as like a huge MMA fan. Like, right. I, I don't think my fucking, you know, uh, little garden is perfect or good in a lot of ways either. Um, it's just one of those things where, like, I, I expect there to be changes at some point. I mean, frankly, the sad thing is some people are going to probably die before there will be those kinds of changes. But that that's likely to happen. Well, I would argue that it has. I mean, like, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. you know, yeah. Junior Seau was a player in the Super Bowl, in this 2008 Super Bowl who uh tragically i mean it's such an awful story um sh shot himself in the heart God. so he he could have his brain studied yeah wow yeah and that's a that's a football death like yes, I, absolutely like you yeah. can't not chalk that up to that um yeah. and it's i remember when i remember when that happened and the details of that story were so profoundly disturbing that that was really the first time I looked at a sport that I I couldn't imagine living without. I really loved NFL football for a, a time. And that was really, there, there were two steps. There was 
uh, Junior Seau's suicide, and then there was Greg Hardy being in the NFL. Oh, uh, Being with the Dallas Cowboys. When we signed him after his domestic violence stuff, his assault charges. um, That goes right into liking MMA in the UFC. Right. So, yeah, perfect dovetail, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. He fought last weekend. Sorry. Yeah, I, I know. Future. No, I know. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that until um, I saw a tweet that said, like, I can't believe Greg Hardy got paid more than blah, blah, blah. And I was right. like, oh, got, paid, got paid more than got paid at all. Like, yep. like that's insane to me. Yeah. Um, but that that it, it was Greg Hardy playing for the Cowboys after his assault charges, and it was Junior Seau's suicide, and that those were the two moments where I I realized that the NFL could not exist the way that it it used to. It just can't, and it needs to be remade in some way or obliterated. And like I'm frankly okay with either one at this point, because um, I don't think as a sport it should exist. I think I think like. I think professional wrestling, to to its minor credit, I have so many problems with WWE. Sure. Yeah. But like them doing away with chair shots to the head, um, I genuinely believe was a a probable uh, industry saver. Like they sure they yeah. they said we can't do that anymore, and I genuinely believe it will uh, affect the amount of CTE related deaths and tragedies. In that industry i don't yeah. i don't have a lot of data to back that up yet because it hasn't been that long but like you're starting to see less and less recently retired wrestlers have these kind of cte debilitating effects yeah um so like yeah i yeah <laughs> football as it oh. existed as it exists should really not exist and i mean until they really figure out uh, CTE stuff like I uh, and they haven't I mean and and they won't even talk about it in a way that feels good to me like right if they were just honest about a lot of it I think it would be more helpful for fans like me but they they don't really talk about it in a way that doesn't sound just very manicured by a PR firm yeah it's it's super fucked up I, I that's one thing where professional fighting there does seem to be a level of honesty with that. Uh, yeah. I, I think it has to do with the long history of boxing where people, people know, I, I don't think most fighters go in not knowing, right. Uh, at least on some level that, you know, if you, if you do this too long and maybe not even too long, just kind of, if you do this enough, you're going to have some real, real issues. And Again, I this is this is an anecdotal thing because uh, I don't think it's good. I think the UFC sucks as a company a lot of ways. Uh, they're fighting right now, and I sorry in twenty twenty, and they have <laughs> like I have really complicated feelings about it. Did I watch the fights and really enjoy them? Yeah. Other than Greg Hardy, which I just fucking won't watch, right? Unless I think the other guy might actually beat him up, which makes be, me part of the problem. Beat the shit out of him, yeah, uh, I know. yeah. Which I I wish would fucking happen. Um, but like, yeah, it's. It's super, super complicated, but I do have the sense that fighters don't don't think they're going to come out okay, uh, and they'd kind of do it anyway. But, right. Uh, again, that's also anecdotal. It's not like I am an actual MMA fighter. I know, obviously, plenty of MMA fighters, but you know, people who have done six fights ever in an amateur career, and it's like, okay, that's that seems okay, but yeah. There are two things. It's a lot. It's a lot. There are two things surrounding this whole thing that I think are like so unbelievably emblematic 
of the NFL being the NFL. <laughs> Junior Seau kills himself in 2012, yeah, but doesn't get put into the Hall of Fame until 2015. Right. Um, because the NFL yeah. is just like, oops, tough. And they like don't like there's an arbitrary well, there the reasons behind like the five year delay period is so that like you can't retire, get inducted into the Hall of Fame, and then come back to the NFL. Right. <laughs> but like yeah. obviously this circumstance completely different. And they were like, nah, 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 I still gotta wait the five years. So it's gonna be another three years before uh, this definite Hall of Fame player can be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, so there's that. And also at the end of this, and I thought this was like the most emblem, the thing that was like most emblematic of like, what the fuck is wrong with the NFL at the end of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 42, uh, it is, it is unbelievably clear that the new York Giants are going to defeat the New England Patriots. There's one second left on the clock. Every single person on both sides of the field run onto the field because the game is over. There's one second left on the clock. And then Bill Belichick shakes Tom Coughlin's hand, leaves the field. The New York or the New England Patriots offense leaves the field. And then the like there's fans on the field, there's like families and kids on the field at this point. And like the NFL referees are still like, no, 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 no. Everybody has to game's get off the over. field. The game's not over. There's one second left. Like there's still one second left. You can't. It's not over. You can't. It's like word. Really? You can't just like write the one second off and it's very clear that the game is over. But like because the <laughs> NFL thinks it's so unbelievably high and mighty, like this one <laughs> second is like important to the end of the game. It's just so weird, especially considering in like the NBA, the number of times that the game has been over, but like <laughs> not over. Yeah. There's still like eight seconds on the clock, which is like enough time <laughs> basketball for many things to happen. But everyone on the course is like, oh, yeah, there's not enough time. The game's kind of over. Yeah. Huh? That's that's um, the best part is when when the NBA teams mutually kind of look at each other and they're like, yeah, this shit's over. Yeah. Huh? Okay. <laughs> it's just so it's just so wild. Yeah, that's that um, was extremely funny. So much there was like five full minutes of confusion. Yeah. <laughs> the the yeah. poor refs. Like refs have a hard job in every sport. They really do. Like it's hard to be a ref. You take a lot of abuse. You know, you take a lot of bullshit. You have to make a lot of unpopular decisions and sometimes you do Listen, suck. Listen, Danielle, like, they should just sure. get good at their jobs, you know. <laughs> I could do it from here. <laughs> trying to get all these like very excited you know 350 pound men and all their entire families and teammates and coaches and training staff and water people and everything else like off the field and they manage it like they do manage it but like i have never felt worse for one of these poor dudes who's just like a normal sized dude yeah oh uh, yeah. Uh, please, uh, please get back Guys, in your positions, off. please. <laughs> please, uh, you're behind. You're not on the Oh, speaking of boys that are on the field where they shouldn't be, um, legitimately one of the best challenges of uh Bill Belichick's career is challenge, which is like a play that I don't even really think you can challenge, but it's a play. There's in the early in the fourth quarter. Um, there's a change of personnel. From on the on the New York Giants. Oh my um, god! And there's a man running as fast as he can off of the field before the ball gets snapped, and the ball gets snapped, 
he doesn't make it off the field. And then, like, there's a TV timeout, which is very interesting if you think about it. It's a TV timeout, and during that TV timeout, Bill Belichick challenges the fact that there were that the Giants had too many people on the field, which would have been basically impossible to notice unless someone up in the upper deck, like, wasn't like, "Hey, I think they had too many boys on the field," um, and then they got the ball back after getting forced to a four and out or three and out um, on the drive prior and then they got that drive revitalized yeah that was very funny and weird and i wondered if that was common in any way watching it <laughs> uh <I guess> not. <laughs> yeah not really yeah i know bill, bill belichick is very good at like the uh weird challenge like he 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 knows it, this is this is another part of my theory um it, it, it permeates everything like business and everything like if you are like let's say a highly ethical person or a highly rules oriented person or a like uh, a, like deeply committed to like the ins and outs of something very like minute you are not only a huge nerd and someone who is like probably fit to like kind of run a team like this, but you're also the perfect candidate to break all of those rules. Oh yeah. In very, very, very like small ways. And that kind of goes back to what Nikki was saying about like, Oh, all of, all of Bill Belichick's transgressions are basically like mea culpa is like, Oh, I thought the rule was this. I had a lawyer basically redline yeah. the entire like rule book <laughs> of the NFL just to go, okay, yeah, you have an out here. Okay, there's a loophole here. There's a loophole here. And in that way, Bill Belichick all can also catch other people doing the same shit or doing something that's like just a minor, minor thing that if he actually challenges it or calls someone on it can actually have a very beneficial effect for his team, which is like, you know, kind of bizarre. And everybody really hates that. I, like I like in general, and I'm not saying I don't myself. Like that just feels like the guy who won at Jeopardy because he he like somehow got perfect at the timing of the buzzer and also got perfect at like predicting the category. Like somebody who who plays a game in a way it's not intended to be played to win. Like who finds all those things. People there's and I don't know if this is like an American thing because maybe it is. I don't know where we hate that. It's like, no, play the game. Play it according to the spirit of the rules. Play according to the rules. But, like, play the fucking game in front of you. Don't play some other <laughs> stupid fucking game. Play this goddamn game, asshole. Like, there's a real... And I'm not immune to this, but, like, there's a real sense of that that I, I feel like yeah. is kind of going on there, you know? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, does anyone have any other thoughts about 2008 sports? I think we we really hit the Super Bowl hard. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's weird that Major League Soccer used to play their championship games at neutral sites. That's kind of all I had. Huh. Is I but I was looked back and I took a field report of Major League Soccer in 2008 as the New York Red Bulls took on the uh, Columbus Crew, um, and uh, they played Columbus that game. They played that game in Carson. Okay. Like it's just fucking bizarre. Why? That's just how Major League Soccer used to work. They used to just have it at neutral sites. Were they afraid of soccer hooligans or something? No. Like I think the reasoning was that like you do it at a neutral site because the, presumably those neutral sites are bigger, and like ah. which is was not the case in this scenario. Like 
uh, Red Bull Arena didn't exist yet. I don't think. I think Red Bull Arena was built in 2010. Um, but like, I think the reasoning was you don't want to play. You don't want to not sell out the Meadowlands, which is where uh, the New York Red Bulls played, and then you don't right. want to have a national championship game in Columbus, Ohio. So you do <laughs> it in L.A. Um, but also like Columbus, Ohio and New York City, New York. There's like no fucking allegiance to either of those teams here. So it's just bizarre. And they, like very soon after this, they stopped doing it. Like it's just whoever is ranked highest, whoever is higher on the table gets to host MLS Cup. Um, but it's just super wild that. Uh, yeah. Like, and then sometimes it would like luck out. So this like was at a similar time that LA Galaxy were doing really well. Um, so one year they, uh, it was at the same time that the LA Galaxy were doing very well, and it was also at the same time that there weren't enough teams in the in Major League Soccer that uh, a team like the Houston Dynamo was considered the East. So you would huh. get like a MLS Cup that was LA versus Houston, which is not <laughs> an East West battle, right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's basically, that was it. Wow. That's wild. Wow. I have a a brief thought about MMA. Yeah, please. Which is, uh, there's some really, really incredible fighters in their prime right now. BJ Penn is doing really well. George St. Pierre and Matt Serra both doing incredible work. Anderson Silva right now is a middleweight champion, just in the middle of his absolute sort of, uh, UFC run of, of a lifetime. And Dan Hendo, Hendo, Dan Henderson is, is fighting in pride. Really exciting. You know, you know what's really cool to me though is that women are starting to get involved in MMA. It's wow, really, that's really, really gonna be cool. huge. I mean, it's been it's been happening for a couple of years now, but like ladies like Gina Carano and Julie Kedzie are out there just kicking ass. And like a lot of the times, they're they're kind of mismatched for size because there aren't that many women, you know, kind of going yet. Right. Like. I'm just excited about it. We're starting to see some some uh, championship material. Misha Tate, uh, I think, is the Strikeforce champion right now uh, at Bantamweight, which is super exciting. God, I remember Strikeforce. I, I love Strikeforce. Strikeforce is amazing. <laughs> I used to watch a lot of Strikeforce because I had Showtime. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, Mauro Ronaldo just yelling uh, yelling stuff at Strikeforce people. I thought that was – I actually really liked Strikeforce when it was on. Yeah, it's really, really rad. Uh, so, yeah, this MMA thing is starting to get pretty exciting. It's weird because, like, you know, MMA really kind of started as, like, a showcase of people from different fighting disciplines. You know, it would be, like, a jiu-jitsu guy versus yeah. a boxer versus a Muay Thai guy. And now it's kind of, like, becoming its own discipline where you need to have some wrestling. You need to have some grappling. You need to have some some striking of, of one kind or another. And it's really kind of becoming this delicious gumbo, if you will of martial arts instead of just a, a coming together of different disciplines. So I'm excited was, to see where this goes. Was, was that, was 2008 kind of the year that you feel like the MMA, uh, because I, I had this, I, I, I think my sense of what MMA was is like delayed by several years, obviously just cause I'm not like <laughs> that plugged into it. But like, I did notice at some point that MMA almost became a genre of martial art yes. um 
at some point instead of like you said this like mix of things because when i would buy uh vhs tapes of like the early uh ufc fights you know it was exactly like you say this is a wrestler versus a a jujitsu master this is a boxer against a a kickboxer you know it's like these disciplines were siloed and the combinations of them were kind of the the main event and then like when was it that that kind of shifted into like no you better be pretty well-rounded or you're gonna get killed already at this point you need to have at least some elements i think of the different games um but i do think 2008 even 2007 2008 let's make it just a tiny bit wider this is about that kind of middle era uh, where things have certainly matured to a point where the the sort of metagame, I guess, if you want to use like a gaming term, yeah, has actually gotten uh, to that point where you absolutely need uh, some elements. Even if you are primarily a jujitsu person or primarily a wrestler, you're going to need some other stuff because everybody has at least a little bit at this point. Right. Like, it's, it's pretty rare for somebody to just be a one-trick pony at this point, even if you are like a truly you know, black belt in jujitsu or something like that. You, you still need to uh, stand up on the ground. So you're going to at least need some takedowns. Like you can't just be like a, a sport jujitsu person who, you know, doesn't really do takedowns. You can't pull guard <laughs> in this kind of thing. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, still I think, think it would be, we're already a little bit in that. I still think yeah. one year they should just let one guy in with a knife. And like, like no, no training. It's no. just like this is Jeff with a this knife. This is Jeff, and he has a knife. Jeff is gonna get his ass kicked so hard. But he has a knife. He has a knife. Yeah, Danielle. he's gonna get disarmed in like four point two. Not if he holds it with two hands. <laughs> Especially if you hold it with two hands. Oh. See, but I have a que- I have a question. I have a question though, Nikki. In the in this fight with Rando with a knife. Yeah. Okay. Would the opponent be able to wear shoes? Because that's typically no. not a thing that you do. Any- okay, so it's otherwise. Knife the exact, guy might have a chance. It's otherwise the exact same as the UFC fight. Derek just has okay. a knife. If Derek really has no training, Derek has no chance. Listen, if Derek has a gun, Derek wins. <laughs> like, like, let's be clear here. It's not just like having a, a weapon. It's like what that weapon is, but a knife, like a normal size knife. We're not talking a machete. No, no, no. Like a, like, like a, a, like a, like a, good a steak knife. knife. Okay. <laughs> Derek's fucking losing. Really? You don't think Derek could throw the knife? No. Okay, Daniel, we have to just back up for a second. I'm pretty sure Nikki is just doing a self-insert because he did this last week or whatever with Luka Doncic. Well, if, you, like, if you recall, it's like I could, I could, I could get Luka Doncic with a knife, and now Nikki's just like I could, I could get BJ Penn with a knife. Yeah. Well, first of all, BJ Penn would be down for it because BJ Penn in 2020 picks a fight with every single drunk Hawaiian dude he sees in a, outside of a bar, and it's actually gotten pretty sad to be honest like it's it's not great but uh if you recall last week nikki i was on your side i think you could get a good takedown like with good grappling training like say you became like a purple belt Mm -hmm. like you spent five years training jujitsu with good takedowns (laughs) wait hold on hold on i'm not on board any five calendar use gregorian oh yeah that's how long it takes to get kind of good at that yeah still like with your physicality Mm -hmm. uh and his physicality you have a much lower center of gravity 
And those dudes, like I said, basketball players, they're trained to fall down in the most dramatic fucking yeah. fashion possible when somebody comes at them as opposed to actually defend a takedown. I think you could get him on his ass. I really do. I think Derek could run on the run on the wall like that one guy did in that one fight. You know the one. <laughs> run on the run on the octagon and then do a jump kick, hit the guy in the head and then on the way down drive the knife right through his chest. Easy. 15 points. <laughs> Nikki just ideating about killing a man. On the, yeah. on the yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's a show knife. It's a show. It's like the end of Knives it's Out. It's like yeah, the end of Knives say. Out. It's a fake knife. <laughs> Doesn't even know the real thing. Um. Wow. Any other? 2008 has been wild, huh? What? Yeah, it's been wild. What? what can I ask you a question about Gina Carano? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, my interpretation of uh, a lot of, like, stars in a, a sport or, like, arena that I don't, like, follow that closely is so molded by, like, how the media discusses sure. them and not from this kind of, like, understanding of if they're really... Like, when Gina Carano came on this the scene... Um, like I remember the media was like, like, this is the unstoppable force, like good, you know, good sure. luck. Like, was that, was that accurate? Like, was she actually like really, really, really good? Or was it kind of a sense of like, okay, this is, th this is the first person to kind of break out, but this, this women's MMA thing, like is not really that big yet. Yeah. That's part of it. Uh, okay. she was very good. Uh, no question. The same way Ronda Rousey was actually very, very good. Oh, okay. Uh, like, now, she wasn't as good as Ronda Rousey. No question. Ronda Rousey was an actual, like, Olympic judoka and, like, right. a medalist and, and had grappling that was well beyond the game. It, a lot of it does have to do with that kind of meta of, like, there just really weren't that many women doing it yet. And she right. was sized, she was matched up with women. Of different sizes a lot of these women had to fight somebody 20 pounds heavier than them even if like oh the weight class is 135 like you might have a woman who's actually like 115 going up against somebody who cut down to 135 from 150 so it was really wild at this point uh i watched a fight between julie kedzi uh who's not a, bi a big woman uh versus uh jermaine durandamy who i think is, is is much larger and now fights in the featherweight so 145 and it was like there's like a six inch difference between them. It's really uh, very pronounced. So it was a very, very, very young game, but Gina Carano was good. I mean, she came from a real, I think she came from a Muay Thai background. So it yeah. wasn't like, oh, she just showed up and was like, I guess I could do this. I think she, yeah, uh, yeah God, she was 12 1 1 in Muay Thai. So right. she was the real deal. She was a very good striker. Um, you know, just probably a good sort of first champion kind of thing like right. yeah she she's absolutely uh you know a competitor she probably didn't have that many women to train with i am assuming so she probably mostly trained with men right uh, which is where a lot of of women in this sort of earlier era kind of had to do um so yeah I, I think she actually was quite good just not necessarily going to be mma great like if, if you put her and her prime in the game right now she probably wouldn't be you know necessarily a, a champion she probably would be a decent competitor 
uh, that's my read on it anyway. Like, yeah. obviously, it's a little hard to tell because, you know, she she retired. God, uh, she's I mean, obviously, she's acting now. Uh, she was in, yeah, she's uh, in the Mandalorian, Mandalorian. And a few other things. Yeah. yeah. So she's a cool person. Um, God, when did she retire? I'm not seeing it immediately on her. I think it was. Oh, 2009. Okay, yeah. so she retired in this sort of era that era. we're talking about now. So it it would be really hard to see, you know, kind of where she would fit in. I mean, Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko even could probably kick her ass up and down, you know, uh, the arena uh, at this point. But yeah. Also, that's not who she was competing with at the time. Like it right. was a younger game. So yeah, I, I want to give her props. I want to say she absolutely was good. Yeah. And just you know. It's just early, <laughs> like kind of, kind of ahead of like the, the flood of like amazing uh, women competitors yes. that would eventually yes. get there. So yeah, absolutely. Always Definitely kind of, a always kind of a what, yeah. what if you know, what if she had kind of yeah. been during this kind of prime of uh, competition? So exactly. Um, do you think we should go Which look re- for? Do you think we should go look oh, for yeah. Dylan? I think we need to. Um, I feel a little bad. Like, what if we left him in a time without hockey? Oh my god. We don't want that, you know. So we need to we need to find him. What what year do you think Dylan is in? <laughs> I don't know. You have to say, Dylan. Where would Dylan's like VCR instincts take him? You know. I don't know, Nikki. Where do you think Dylan is? <laughs> oh no! Don't diss me again, because the last time I okay. fucking pressed the, you know what? the fucking thing. What in. about 2012? You know what? Is he in 2012? Mm. I can't believe Barack Obama has been elected president again. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're gonna cut it off there. Okay.